This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, The art of progress is to preserve order amid change, and to preserve change amid order. Life refuses to be embalmed alive. The more prolonged the halt in some unrelieved system of order, the greater the crash of the dead society. End quote. Those are the words of British mathematician and philosopher Alfred North Whitehead. Whitehead was born February 15, 1861, in Ramsgate, England, and he died December 30, 1947, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, at age 86. Whitehead was the son of a minister, and he attended both Cambridge and Harvard as a student and a professor. He worked alongside someone you may know, Bertrand Russell, the famous mathematician. And if you'd like to hear a quote of his, check out episode 136, where I explore some of Russell's words. And Russell was, in fact, Whitehead's pupil. He was, therefore, Whitehead, that is, the man behind the genius, at least to some degree. In fact, the two of them collaborated on Principia Mathematica, one of the most influential mathematical texts of the 20th century. And a side note, unless you happen to be a mathematician and familiar with mathematical shorthand, the book is exceptionally difficult to read. I've held a copy of it. I've flipped through the pages. It is literally incomprehensible to the non-mathematician type, at least in understanding the formulas that lie therein. That said, you can go and take a look, just do a simple search for Principia Mathematica, and you will find some examples of some of the notation that's in there, and you get a chance to see just how difficult some of it is to discern, even with a primer and a key sitting right there next to you. So my hat's off, as it always has been, to mathematicians for their ability to read this. It's almost a different language. And Whitehead remained at Cambridge through 1910, and then he proceeded on to Harvard. He came across the ocean and and moved to Harvard. He transitioned formally at that point to philosophy, and amazingly, after an early career in mathematics, excelled at philosophy. Which is simultaneously amazing and infinitely frustrating. Most of us struggle to excel at one thing, never mind multiple complex professional areas of study. But here we have Whitehead, who said, mathematics is cool. Let me write this this seminal tome on mathematics, and then I'm going to move across the ocean into a new country and take up an entirely different field of study, and I'm also going to do really well at that. Clearly, this is a man of exceptional intellect and very deep thought. And today's quote comes from one of Whitehead's most famous philosophical texts called Process and Reality, which he published in 1929. And it was and is still considered very in-depth and beyond understanding in detail. So if you're sensing a theme here, it's that when Whitehead puts pen to paper, what's going to come out the other side is going to be something that is extremely deep, extremely important, and potentially very difficult to read. And it is indeed dense and challenging. You can find it online, and you can flip through some of the pages, and you will see that what he talks about is extremely challenging. This happens to me from time to time when I'm reading through a book. I will notice that 
books of extreme depth. I'm trying to think of the most recent one that really got my mind thinking this way. I think it was probably Superintelligence by Nick Bostrom, which I read a number of years ago. But what ends up happening is when I get into these super deep books, I will notice that I literally have to take the book one sentence at a time for sections of it. I don't know that I could make it through a whole book doing this, but there are certainly sections where I read a sentence and I say, that is so deep and thought-provoking that I need to read it again. And I will go back and I will read it word by word, sometimes stopping in the middle of the sentence and going back to the beginning again, just to make sure that I didn't miss something. That's the kind of writing that I'm talking about here. Nick Bostrom did it in Superintelligence, and so too did Whitehead in Process and Reality. But today's quote is very interesting. And as usual, it is the words around the quote that reveal its true value. So here's the quote again, and then we'll talk about what preceded and came after it to give it a little more context. Quote, The art of progress is to preserve order amid change and to preserve change amid order. Life refuses to be embalmed alive. The more prolonged the halt in some unrelieved system of order, the greater the crash of the dead society. End quote. And hopefully, this gets you thinking like it did for me. This is one of those ones that I had to read and go back and read again and pause and think through and chew on. Now, we often use the terms change and progress to mean the same thing. Consider politics, at least American politics. It's what I'm most familiar with. Conservative in American politics means to resist change, to maintain the status quo, to proceed with caution. Progressive, on the other hand, means to change, often dramatically, to proceed significantly and constantly. However, in Whitehead's connotation, he says that the art of progress is to preserve order. So, wait, wait a minute. We just said progressive means to change significantly and constantly, and conservative means to proceed with caution, or one might even say to resist change. So, this is contradictory, right? Well, maybe. To understand, I think we have to look at more than just the quote itself, or our heads or my head might just explode. See, earlier in the same section, Whitehead speaks on the effect of education on the imagination. He says, quote, The condition of excellence is a thorough training in technique. Which makes sense, right? Watch YouTube clips of professionals, professional athletes aspiring to become the best at their sport. We know that, and we have seen videos of Steph Curry shooting thousands of three-pointers every season. If you watch hockey, you know that Connor McDavid drills his stick handling and skating skills for countless hours. And there are example after example after example. This is thorough training in technique. This is how you become excellent. And that's how these athletes become excellent. That is the point that he's making there. Great. But, there's always a but. But, Whitehead goes on to say, the paradox which wrecks so many promising theories of education is that the training which produces skill is so very apt to stifle imaginative zest. Skill demands repetition, and imaginative zest is tinged with impulse. End quote. Think about that. That makes sense, right? Consider these athletes. These athletes drill the basics. You watch a tennis player work on their transitions from forehand to backhand. They work on their footwork. Boxers will punch tiny targets as fast as they possibly can while moving their feet to practice these fundamentals, these basics, so that in the heat of competition, these things are automatic. And if you've ever trained anything for any length of time in this way, you know that this holds. 
The more you practice something, the more automatic it becomes. Consider something simple, even as simple as yoga. A lot of times in yoga, you're not facing the direction of the instructor. You're hunched over, bent over, bent, bent backwards, twisted around, looking in an opposite direction. And you'll hear a specific position. You'll be given a specific cue. If you've practiced for some time, you can immediately begin to make that transition to that new motion without having to make eye contact or see what the instructor is doing. Whereas the novice has to turn their attention to the instructor so that they can see the motion happen. I know this because my wife and I do yoga from time to time together, and we do it on a tiny little iPad screen, and I can't always see it. But I know enough of the moves that when I hear a specific position, I can make that transition without having to see the screen. That is a very, very basic example of what I'm talking about here, but there's no creativity in that. There is no creative process. There's no imaginative zest, as Whitehead puts it, when I do yoga. I follow instructions. Now, were I a true champion of yoga, maybe I'm able to move into new positions or try new stances that I would never practice as a novice. If I've drilled too much, what Whitehead is saying is that if I've drilled too much and I've become so rote in my memorization and adherence to the educational process of becoming a yogi or an athlete or a whatever, that it tends to stifle the imaginative part. There's no need to think. This is how you do this thing. There's no need to create something new. This is how you do this thing. Just do it many, many times and you'll become very, very good at it, which is true. So the two are somewhat at odds. He's saying that the very education that begets excellence simultaneously stifles creativity and ingenuity. So what does that have to do with today's quote on progress versus change and, and order? Well, he describes to us what he means when he talks of man's aspirations for dominance. This is another section surrounding this quote. He says that throughout European history, which has been marked with one conqueror after another, aspiring for momentary dominance, it's at that immediate moment of dominance that the tide begins to shift. This is not unlike Carl Sagan when he spoke of the rivers of blood that have been spilled by generals and emperors throughout human history to become, quote, momentary masters of a fraction of our planet, end quote. The dominant is challenged at that moment by something non-dominant. And the world begins to change. This is the arc of human history. It's sinusoidal. It's ups and downs. So this is the dichotomy of change and order generating progress, right? Things are changing. Society is moving forward, but it is doing so in this change and order shift that keeps happening on a global scale. Society, the globe, or even our species, you might say, makes progress through the tension between change and order. Too much of either is disruptive, and they must always balance one another out. Perhaps that's why we have just two political parties here in the United States, aligned one with each of the ends of that spectrum, change and order. For those unfamiliar, when one party gains too much power, this is a well-known political phenomenon, or has held it for too long, the social order tends to correct for that by electing the opposition. And this is not unique to the United States, mind you. So, the question, of course, bringing it out of the political realm, out of the geopolitical space, from the global scale down to the micro scale, down to the individual, to us, can we apply this to ourselves? Well, yes, of course we can. 
Our lives follow this almost naturally, whether we realize it or not. We have, punctuated throughout our lives, moments of great change. Perhaps that is a new job, or a new home, or a new family member. Maybe it's a baby, or an elderly parent that moves in with you. Perhaps it's a new pet, even. Lots of change, lots of excitement, lots of things going on. Those are punctuated with periods of rest and order. New baby? Well, perhaps you don't go out as much. Often, folks that have a new baby pause due to change. They seek order amidst chaos. Maybe you have a new significant other that you've just started dating. Perhaps that means there's less interactions with your friend group for a period of time as you acclimatize and get to know each other. This is progress punctuating change. And the inverse is true as well. Too much stagnation or stationary living creates the itch that we all know. We want to travel. We want to get a new degree or a certificate. We want a new job or a new hobby. How we manage and balance that change in order is key. So today, as we close, ask yourself, where am I? Am I in a period of change? Am I in a period of order? Am I at an inflection point, perhaps, between the two? But know that no matter where you are, whether you're in a period of change or a period of order, you are progressing. Even if you don't feel like you are. And if you don't feel like you are, the first key is to identify what your current state is. And then you can forcibly enter the other. You can create the change. The progress. You can encourage the progress. If you feel like you've been stagnant for too long, you can pick up a new hobby. Take on a new activity. Make a new friend. If life has been very chaotic and there's been a lot going on, you can breathe and rest and clear your calendar. You can. It's hard, but you can. Pause or move. Whatever you need to do. You will grow and progress, just as Whitehead states. But, as he cautions at the end of his quote, don't stay too still, or you'll crash. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.